extended family. We give you thanks, O oh God. Amen. When we have new contact information for them, we'll make sure to publish it so that we can stay in touch. All right, kids, I want to invite you to come down front now for a special children's time with Stephen Obaldeshman. Good morning. It's so exciting to see you down here this morning. Look at all of you. Oh my goodness. Hi. Well, let's see, I'm gonna get this uh, on my head right. Okay. Um, I have a riddle for you, okay? Uh, you know what a riddle is, right? It's when, yeah, when I ask you a question and you have to try to guess what it is, okay. Now here's the thing, um, the riddle you're going to have to help solve is about me. <laughs> uh oh, okay, so you're gonna have to guess something about me, okay? Are you ready? All right, okay. So, I work at a hospital, but I am not a doctor. I am not a nurse, and I am not the cook who makes food for the patients, okay? I don't know how to use an x-ray machine, and, and I don't know how to help people walk again after they've had an operation, and you know what? I don't even know anything about pills or what kind of medicine people should take. Huh, so, do you have any ideas of what I would do at a hospital if I don't do any of those things? Over, over, you all have your hands up, how can that be possible? Okay, you can just say it, say it out loud. I talk to people? A surgeon? I, oh. I know. What? A person who goes in the ambulance. I'm interviewing for a job there. I'm interviewing for a job there. These are all very good responses. You know what? What, Pepper? <gasps> you said a pastor. That is right, Pepper. I am a pastor. Did you know that there are pastors who work in places other than a church? <gasps> yeah, they are called chaplains. That's right. I hear that. You know, pastors can work in a lot of places. And, you know, certainly here at our church, we know Rod and Diane, and of course, of course we know Kurt, because he's one of our pastors too. 
but chaplains work in other places too. Um, like sometimes chaplains work in schools or colleges, um, prisons, they can work there, um, sometimes in the military, and even in factories too. And the place that I work is a hospital. So, what do you think someone who is a chaplain would do at a hospital? Talk to people. Huh, what else? If you work in a hospital, that means you give them medicine. Aha. Uh -huh. All right, one more. Beckett. You pray with them. That's right. Well, you know what? Sam, who comes to this church, his mom is a chaplain. And you know what? Maggie and Pepper's dad... He's a chaplain, too. That's right. Well, um, I have some pictures that, um, that, that uh, show you what chaplains do. Would you like to see them? All right. Let me see if this works up here. Oh, yeah. There you go. Can you look up at that? Is it like a psychologist? Your dad's a psychologist. Yeah. Well, you, you can look at that one. Let's see if this works. There's a picture. Whoop. <laughs> I went too fast. Okay. All right, there's one. Um, what do you see happening in that picture? Maggie, one person is comforting the other person. That's right. <laughs> you know, not all chaplains are humans. The, hospi the hospital where I work, sometimes dogs come in and help people feel better. Yeah. Here's another one. Oh. Look at that. Oh. Yeah. So what is the what is the one monster um, doing to help the other monster feel better? Hugging. Yeah. There's one. The one little kitty's feeling sad, and the other kitty's helping her feel better. Look at those two monkeys. There we go. 
they wouldn't normally be friends, would they? But here they are. I like cheetahs too. Okay, this is one of my favorites, and a friend gave this to me a long time ago, and she's here this morning. Look at that one. It says, hey, are you okay? The other one says, not really. You wanna talk about it? Not really. Look what she does. She sits there right beside her, and look at the expression on the blue one's face, a little smile. It could be. And here's the last one. Yeah. So you have good ideas. You know, sometimes it can be really scary uh, to be in a hospital. Like if someone's going to have surgery and they're nervous and, and scared, a chaplain can help them make them feel better. And Sometimes sad things happen, like people die and their family is crying. A chaplain can help them feel not quite as bad. And sometimes really happy things happen in a hospital, like lots of babies being born. Yeah, people babies. And, and a chaplain can come in and, and, and be happy with their parents too. When you got a shot, you were scared. Yeah, we all get scared sometimes. Well, I like being a chaplain. And later on in the service, um, there's gonna be a celebration of my becoming a chaplain. And you know what? Afterwards, there's gonna be snacks downstairs. So I hope you can all come down there and help, help, help eat that up, all right? Let's, let's pray, let's pray. God, thank you for people who help us feel better our parents, and our friends when we feel scared or sad. And help us to help other people feel better too when they feel sad or lonely. Amen. Thank you for coming up, and we'll see you later. Our New Testament reading today is from the book of Acts, chapter, chapter 16. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they'd come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man in Macedonia pleading with them and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer, we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple cloth. 
the Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The word of the Lord. Number 540. 540. Will you come and follow me? We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 3. It is a joy to be with you in this season of Eastertide and here in my last month of being the conference minister for the Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference. Will you pray with me? God, bring your word to life in us that our lives might reflect your word to others. Amen. As Rod reminded us last Sunday, Eastertide is a time when we remember and celebrate resurrection in all the forms it takes, from death to life, from old to new, from a way of living that leads to despair to a new way of living as God's beloved community. In Eastertide, we are called to hope, hope in the victory we saw in the empty tomb on Easter morning, and hope that God continues to make all things new. But it's not always that easy to hope. Last week was a week of violence across our country, again. Mass shootings in a grocery store, a church, a salon, a flea market. War continues to rage in Ukraine, 
and numerous other countries suffer civil war and terrorist violence, inequity, injustice, racism, hatred, economic stresses, pandemics, <laughs> death of our friends, and on and on. The juxtaposition of God's vision of the beauty of all creation and the belovedness of each creature with the brokenness we see all around us leaves us standing in a gap. The gap between our world, the way we see it on our streets, and the dream of God's kingdom, God's kingdom, lies before us. So what do we do when the gap seems so large, when it seems too much to overcome? That is, I think, where Paul's dream that we heard about this morning can help us. Paul's vision is small. It doesn't encompass all of creation. It's one man, and yet it draws Paul and us into that gap. Paul's vision came to him at a time when he was feeling stuck. He had planned to go with his friend Barnabas to visit congregations' churches that they had already started over Asia Minor, but they had a disagreement and parted ways. Paul heads west and then north, and each time, Scripture tells us, he is stopped by the Spirit of Jesus. Finally, one night, as they sleep in a town on the shores of the Aegean Sea, Paul has a vision. He dreams of a man from Macedonia who calls out to him, come and help us. So Paul and his companions set off for Macedonia and end up in the city of Philippi. Once in Philippi, Paul follows his usual pattern of looking for the place where the Jews of that city worship, a synagogue, or if there is none, a place of prayer, and what Paul finds in Philippi is not a Jewish man waiting for him in a synagogue to pray with and to teach, but a group of women beside a river. We don't know what he said to them that day, but from other recorded words of Paul, we can guess that he shared with them about Jesus, crucified and resurrected. This was the first time that the good news of God's love through Jesus was proclaimed on the European continent. As Paul talks with the women, one woman's heart is opened, and she responds to Christ's love, steps into the river, and is baptized. One person at a time, the love of Jesus is spread through the world. Paul's visions and his actions take place in a world that is not yet like God's vision, but his message of the living God brings to one more person the hope of what could be. Paul reaches over the gap between what is and what can be by the grace and love of God as he shares by that river, and something new happens in Philippi. It's a woman, not a man, like in Paul's dream. Lydia is a Gentile who prays with Jewish women, not part of a synagogue. She is wealthy and independent and healthy, not someone who needed physical healing or clothing or to have demons cast out. It probably wasn't what Paul imagined at all when he had the vision of a man from Macedonia and heard that call, 
come and help us. But it was what was needed to begin to fulfill God's vision that the good news of Jesus would spread to all the nations. What happened beside that river was probably not anything Lydia had imagined either. She's a seeker looking for the God of justice and mercy, of covenant and love, and has joined the Jewish women in prayer to that God. Then one day a wandering preacher comes by the place where they gather. He sits down and talks to them. She hears about someone who loves her enough to die for her and who conquered death and left an empty tomb. She invites the traveler to stay with her and teach her more. It won't be long before a house church is thriving at Lydia's house. It won't be long before Paul writes to them, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day, from that day beside the river, when the gap was closed just a bit and hope and love began to grow in a new place. Sometimes our way is clear, like Lydia's conversion and emerging ministry. Sometimes it's not so clear, like Paul's frustration with friends and geography. Sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes these things take more time than we'd like and then happen in ways we couldn't possibly imagine. Sometimes the gap between our lives in this world and that vision of God's beloved community seems vast. Sometimes we need to listen hard to hear those simple words, come and help us. And sometimes we need courage to respond to a vision that isn't at all what we had imagined. This morning, we are ordaining Stephen Obold Eshelman to ministry as he serves as a chaplain. Stephen's journey to ministry has been somewhat of a winding path of listening for the voices who were calling, come and help us, and in following, discovering his own calling as he worked with refugees, with veterans, and now with hospital patients. As I prepared for the message this morning, I thought of how often a chaplain like Stephen is called to a hospital room, is called to come and help, and how often what they encounter there is not what they might have expected. But entering those rooms with the hope and love of a God who makes all things new, who can bridge vast gaps, who does more than we ask or ever imagine, brings into those spaces the coming kingdom of God one person at a time. As we celebrate this morning Stephen's faithful following of his call, may we all follow our own callings in response to those who cry out to us, come and help us.
Number 374, there are many gifts. Now we lift up our prayers uh, for the ones we love, uh, for the city we live in, for the world around us. Uh, after the service, one of our elders, Lori Nussbaum, will be down front if you'd like to come and pray with someone uh, more privately. Um, and we'll finish uh, by saying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, there's a version of it in our worship book number 989, but please use whatever version or language uh, is most comfortable for you. So let us now pray. God, with the psalmist, we pray. Uh, that you will be gracious to us. Pray that your light and love will shine in us, especially those who are in need of healing of body or mind or soul. This morning especially we pray for Janet, pray for Brandon, we pray for the Newsbaum family. God, with the psalmist, uh, we pray that your way may be known upon earth. So we ask that you bless Clark Upton as he's traveling to serve with Mennonite Disaster Service in Paradise and all those who are working to, to not only re rebuild homes, but to rebuild communities. We pray for the assembly of Mennonite Church USA next weekend in Kansas City. For the delegates who will represent us, LaVon and Tim and Chris, that the Spirit will guide them into all the truth. 
God, we, we pray you will judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. We pray for peace uh, in Ukraine, in Yemen, in Gaza. Pray for peace in Buffalo and all the communities that have been riven by racial hatred, gun violence. God, keep us from fear, keep us from despair or cynicism. Fill us with love and joy and peace and compassion and generosity and courage. We pray this in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Today is a special day for Stephen Obold Eshelman and his family for the people he ministers to as a chaplain, for the Portland Mennonite Church congregation, and for God's people here and across the church. Through careful and prayerful discernment, the church joins God in calling people to ministry. Ordination, then, is an act of the church that confirms that those whom God called and the church called have particular roles in leadership ministry both to build up the local body and to further engage the congregation in the mission of God. By ordaining these persons to ministry, the church declares them caretakers of the gospel, shepherds of God's people, agents of healing and hope in the world. We recognize them in them a spiritual leadership growing out of an authentic humanity and a life of prayer and study we declare our trust in them, empowering them to act on behalf of the church with wisdom, competence, integrity, and humility. In the Mennonite church, the recognition of gifts for ministry come from the local congregation, and the affirmation for the, of the fitness of those gifts for ministerial leadership comes from the area conference. The conference has the responsibility for bestowing ministerial credentials and holding ministers accountable to their calling in a covenant of support, respect, and care. This congregation recognized Stephen's gifts for ministry. The pastoral leadership team of the Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference met with Stephen and approved him to begin exploring pastoral ministry. They assigned him a mentor for his journey and examined him and approved him for ordination. Stephen's calling has been tested in chaplaincy settings with the Veterans Administration and Legacy Health. Today we acknowledge and affirm what God has been doing in your life, Stephen, in the lives of those you minister to, in the life of this congregation, and in the life of God's people. We've invited several people to share this morning um, words of encouragement, um, and whatever else you want to say, I guess. Um, uh, and so, first of all, we'd like to have Rod Stafford, who has been Peter's, uh, Stevens, I have three of these this month, has been Stevens' pastor for many years. Could we have a microphone for Rod? Oh, you're coming up here. All right. Well, we're going to have a microphone later. 
Well, it is a great pleasure to be part of this uh, celebration and the service of ordination for Stephen today. Uh, I remember when uh, Stephen first applied for the chaplaincy program at uh, the VA hospital, I just thought, well, of course, that's perfect. Uh, Stephen's been very involved in our congregation through the years. He was one of the uh, leaders who started Stephen Ministry here. Uh, he's, I've served with him on numerous uh, committees and uh, councils and leadership roles. He helps uh, with the um, MYF, our high school fellowship. And uh, as you saw this morning, he sometimes leads children's time, and, and you can see a picture of that on the front of the bulletin, too. Um, I have to say, as a preacher, I often hear his children's time and think, why am I getting up to say anything else? We should just maybe go have cookies and coffee right now. So um, Stephen has a, a, a deep reservoir of faith that um, allows him to be authentic, to be open, uh, to be present, to be supportive, uh, to be caring. And so uh, we are very glad to share in and, and to support uh, your ministry of chaplaincy, Stephen. Thank you. Janet Hansen has been a mentor and colleague of Stephen's. Um, where is Janet? And we, can we get a microphone to her? Okay, how's this? This is yellow for caution. I don't know. Um, I'm Janet Hansen, and it's a real privilege to be here today for you, Stephen, to celebrate your ordination. I'm a CBE educator and United Methodist minister, and I was one who welcomed Stephen to the VA so long ago. I can't remember, five, six years ago, when you began your training. and. Um, just a delightful man to work with. So um, he said just a few minutes, but I wanted to say, uh, just talk about chaplaincy and a bit about my journey. And I know several people here. From the time I entered seminary, which was 40 years ago, I was called to specialized ministry, chaplaincy, um, to be present to people in times of suffering. And I know many of us who are chaplains had this specialized call to ministry and have worked uh, within parish ministry to find a way to define who we are and what we do. And I just want to commend Stephen and this congregation for affirming his specialized call to chaplaincy because it is truly where he belongs, I believe. Um, as United Methodist, John Wesley is my, one of my guys, and he said, the world is my parish. And that's been a call for me in chaplaincy ministry to say, um, wherever I am appointed, is my parish. And for Stephen, as we know, Legacy, um, Salmon Creek is his parish. Those are his people with whom he serves. And I have visited him there and seen how well respected he is by his colleagues and the other chaplains, by the medical staff. We are sitting in the cafeteria and they know him and they recognize him as a spiritual leader. I don't know that they would see it as their parish, but that's how I, I know Stephen treats um, the long-term congregation, which is what I call the staff in the hospital. Yeah, 
and he's good. I mean, you all know that, but he's really good. He's really good. Um, Stephen wrote in preparing his papers for ordination, and this is a quote, chaplaincy specifically has caused the real me, that vital, mysterious, most wild core inside of me to loosen in the words of the poet David White, like, quote, a shape that waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky. Beautiful. Today's ordination is a celebration and community confirmation of Stephen's calling to find that spiritual taproot within your most authentic self. The beauty of his growth that I have seen is in softening his perfectionism, right? That, that took some units of training. Uh, trusting the spirit's movement within him, which was there from the beginning. But I think entrusting yourself to that reality and embracing his artistic wild self, which you see in his art and in his passion and love for beauty and people and the world, that's where I've, I've witnessed hope so often in Stephen as he's with folks. So he asked me to speak a bit to ordination and when we do spiritual assessments and chaplaincy, sometimes we see ordination as a ritual process that speaks to the need for meaning and purpose. We all have core needs. Stephen talks about one of his being meaning and purpose in life. And um, so this is a ritual a celebration of your commitment to this calling. And I just want to say um, all that's gone into it, which has been said, years of formal training, uh, just to open up to the possibility of ministry within, of all things, veterans, right? A Mennonite working in a veteran hospital was challenging sometimes. Um, You've taken steps to respond to the call, completed the formal education and preparation. You've said no to other options for work, which I remember some of the difficulty of making this commitment was saying, I'm gonna quit my job at the Ecumenical Ministries of Oregon, quit security, financial benefits, come into a year-long residency with not very much pay and a lot of on-call. It's a commitment and a sacrifice, and I saw you do that. Um, so a series of commitments of saying yes to taking risks, yes to exploring unknown parts of yourself and others, yes to embracing your giftedness, and yes to accepting this calling. And I'm just so happy to be able to celebrate it with you and your community. So thank you for accepting the seed of God's call within you and for all the work you have done to till the soil, weed, Fertilize your soul. May your taproot continue to provide nourishment, steadiness, and continued growth throughout your ministry. Congratulations. Stephen's father. Where are, where are you, Stephen? 
Good. <laughs> May is typically the month for graduations. You've probably been to some already. I've looked over your Vida, Stephen, and I have discovered that you have completed 20 to zero years of postgraduate work in four states, the District of Columbia, several foreign countries. All of this graduate work has been taken after you have successfully completed your preschool graduate work at Millersville Preschool in Millersville, Pennsylvania. Congratulations on that event. Minus those hours of quiet time standing in the corner. <laughs> Grandparents are among the many who have loved and enjoyed Stephen. They have prayed for him before his birth, before the date of his birth. Among those are Murray and Frank Brown, James and Eleanor Obold, loved ones. Mother, Rebecca, his sister, and I are certainly filled with joy on this occasion. Your years of preparation have been many. For some, it may have been slow. For others, it has been fast. You have been faithful in giving our family gifts for nearly 50 years. Among many other persons who I've already mentioned, you have received and been a mentor to many already. It's not surprise that we find you here today. Recent years, you have been a, men a mentor to mother and me, and I dare say Rebecca as well. You have helped us understand the and appreciate the complexity of a world which we did not know as a child. You help us understand the world that's still coming, still quite unknown. You have helped us to deal with the challenges of a wrinkled surface, and age. Keep at it. You have suggested readings and invitations to us to consider new thoughts. And you have gently helped us to work with new understandings and the challenges with us even now. Thank you. You as a congregation have 
then a great gift to Stephen. I have reason to believe that he's been a gift to you as well. Thank you. You have been a tremendous help and help us to understand what was and what possibly may come to be. You, this little Millersville graduate, and now a maturing man, our chaplain, from sacred text and from the oratorio Elijah. I simply say this as recorded in the original text, at least in English. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Continue to commit your way to him and trust in him. Stephen, will you come and join me? Stephen, this is a day of celebration, consecration, and commitment as we as a community ordain you by the power of the Holy Spirit to pastoral ministry as you minister at Legacy Salmon Creek Medical Center, worship and serve in this congregation, connect with the Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference, and serve wherever God may call you in the future. God has been at work all through your life calling you to be a follower of Jesus. You have responded to that call in many ways. In recent years, God and the people of God have affirmed your gifts of ministry within the community of faith and in mission to the world. Today, we celebrate that call to ministry as a chaplain, supported and affirmed by God's people in this congregation and the Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference. So I ask you these questions. Stephen, do you today renew your baptismal vows of commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, who, through the Holy Spirit, baptizes with water and with fire and gives spiritual gifts to all for ministry? Yes, help us God. Do you accept your calling to the ministry of chaplaincy and the affirmation of that ministry by this congregation as a call from God and do you commit yourself to be Christ's representative in your ministry and to work in mutual accountability with this congregation and your colleagues as you carry out your ministry? God's grace, yes. Stephen, do you promise to devote yourself to prayer, Bible study, and spiritual disciplines so that as you grow in God's word and wisdom, you may become an agent of mercy and justice? Yes. 
Stephen, will you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, work with others both in your ministry settings and this congregation so that the body of Christ might be spiritually equipped to grow into the likeness of Jesus? Will you commit yourself to support the Mennonite Church, maintaining an open spirit, ready to give and receive counsel within the wider church as well as your place of ministry? Yes. Family of God, you have walked with Stephen on this journey to ministry. Do you accept your role in setting him apart for ministerial leadership? Will you honor his calling and also your own? Will you search the scriptures and pray with and for him? Will you speak truth in love? Will you join him in mission? If so, say, we will. We will. The Christian tradition of ordination has long included the laying on of hands and prayer. And so Stephen and I are going to come down here to stand amid the congregation. And I want to invite to join me in laying on of hands um, Stephen's wife, Krista. All ordained persons who've been ordained in any Christian tradition, that's um, a ritual and a thing that Christian ordinations have, so that we invite all others, and the pastors and leadership table ministers of Portland Mennonite Church. So if all of you would come to lay hands on Stephen, and we will pray together. Are you comfortable kneeling? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a hard floor. Stephen, we have heard your promises. Now on behalf of these, your church family at Portland Mennonite Church, and on behalf of those you minister to and with, and on behalf of the Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference, a member conference of Mennonite Church USA, we ordain you as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we commit all those God calls you to serve to your spiritual care. Let us pray together. Lord of the church, look with favor on your servant, whom we now dedicate to Christ's ministry. Send forth upon Stephen your Holy Spirit, that he may be strengthened by the gift of your grace to carry out faithfully the work of ministry. May Stephen excel in every virtue, in love that is sincere, in concern for the sick and the poor, in unassuming authority, in self-discipline, and in holiness of life. May Stephen's conduct exemplify your commandments. May he remain strong and steadfast in Christ, giving to the world the witness of a pure conscience. May Stephen, in this life, imitate your son, who came not to be served, but to serve, and one day may he reign with Christ in heaven. Gracious God, surround Stephen, Krista, Simon, and Cora with your sustaining love for each step of their journey. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Stephen, we welcome you into ordained ministry. May you minister with the grace of Christ in the church and in the world. Thank you. So let's go back up here. Woo! <laughs> I am presenting you with a certificate of ordination suitable for framing in your office. Um, and welcome to ministry.
known for their vestments. <laughs> However, on this sacred occasion, it strikes me that a stole is important to offer as a gift. A stole has the symbol of being a towel of service. And I think about the tears that are wiped. I think about the importance of walking into a room as he so solidly is a man of unanxious, he's so unanxious. <laughs> he offers that presence of healing. And so this stole is in the color green, which is considered ordinary time. And there's something about ordinary time that seems like the dailiness of life the dailiness of what happens in each room as he goes down the halls. So we offer this gift to you, affirming and confirming your gift. Thank you so much uh, for being part of, of this journey. Um, there is this really intriguing and enigmatic uh, story in the book of Genesis where Jacob wrestles with this uh, mysterious adversary uh, throughout the night and up until daybreak. And take the night as a metaphor for a lot of things. Uh, that being can't get the better of Jacob, nor Jacob him, and so hits him on the hip and says, let me go because it is about to be dawn. And Jacob says, um, I won't let you go unless you bless me. <laughs> the story goes on. Um, the mysterious being renames Jacob. Jacob gets his blessing, and his identity changes. It's a story that connotes intimacy and struggle. In many ways, um, the past years of becoming a chaplain reminds me of the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Uh, to come alongside of people in times of crisis, to wrestle emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, um, in situations wrought with profound grief and suffering, to be present to the universal story of the entanglement of life and death. These experiences teach me, like Jacob, how God is perfectly hidden and revealed, both at the same time. And in many ways, um, all of you, in ways seen and unseen, are part of this journey with me. I thank you for your wisdom and your companionship. There are a few people gathered here this morning 
who I'd like to especially recognize. They are colleagues, educators, and guides that, like you, participate in this struggle. Um, from where I work at Legacy Salmon Creek Medical Center, Caroline Murphy, raise your hand. Uh, is David here? Okay, no. Um, from the Providence system, um, Laura Simmons and Mitch Chilcott. Is Jennifer here? <gasps> there she is. Jennifer Gingrich is here. And our own Bree Kruger. Uh, from the Franciscan Spirituality Center, Tom Welch. And two people, clinical pastoral educators who learned to know me when I was a resident at the VA hospital. They are Andrew Turner and Janet Hansen. In the story of Jacob, wrestling with God. After he is blessed, and after the night ends, and daybreak comes, the thing that's easy to forget is that forever, Jacob walked with a limp. Chaplaincy, for me, has changed my identity. It's a vocation I describe as beautifully difficult, being both exhilarating and terrifying. Chaplaincy, symbolized and celebrated through ordination, is a merging of what I want to do combined with what I must do. It is both a deep joy and a resounding sense of coherent beauty. Thank you. 